You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 81. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today's guest is Osman Kilic. Osman is the executive board member of the Ormo Group. Osman and I will be talking about hand knitting yarns today. So welcome Osman, it's good to have you on the show today. How are you? Hello Lisa, it's nice to talk to you. It's great. Well, thank you so much for your time and let's just get started by you telling us more about yourself and the company Ormo. Okay, about myself, um, I, I graduated uh, International Trade and Finance Uh, and marketing uh, in, in Louisiana State University in America, but that's been a long time ago. And, and after that, uh, I joined the Ormo Group, uh, which was uh, already established in, in 1976, and I joined 1984. Um, so still at those years, it was a fairly young company. Uh, although the background is uh, with textiles for many years, it was in different uh, parts of te textiles, but always in wool. Uh, so as, as wool in companies are a culture, uh, you know, we, we are traditionally known as a wool company, a wool, wool, wool spinner company uh, in Turkey. Uh, which we are not very, very many in Turkey because most of the textile companies are involved in cotton and, and synthetics. So uh, I joined the company uh, in, the, in the sales side and especially on, on the export side, which when I joined, we had only a couple of customers, uh, one in Denmark and one in Holland. Um, and then we were just slowly trying to establish ourselves in Germany. So after about five, six years, I became the director of the sales force and we started expanding and growing. Just to give you some figures, when we were established uh, in 1976, we were a company that produces about uh, 600 tons per year and we have grown quite a lot now and we're probably the biggest hand knitting yarn producing company in the world today uh, and we are selling well over 60 countries uh, so it was nice to see that trip uh, which I was you know a big part of it uh, together with our production and and our sales force, of course, but it was really exciting. So most of my life I have traveled a lot <laughs> and had a lot of meetings and sold a lot of wool. That's excellent. And if you said in 1976 you had 600 tons a year, how many tons do you do now a year? Well, or maybe it, per is, day? it is well over 10 million kilos. Okay. Well over 10 million kilos and uh, we have 
a huge factory. It is uh, over 200,000 square meters, closed area, uh, without the warehouses. And just recently we have, uh, we have started another facility in Serbia, uh, which is also producing hand knitting yarns. And uh, we're trying to sell our budget and economy yarns from Serbia to, to Europe. Uh, and to other places as well, but it's just been a year that it started, so it's in the in the crawling stage. It will grow. Okay, well, thank you for the brief introduction, and tell us a little bit more about the products that Ormo produces. Okay, um, Ormo uh, is producing today only hand knitting yarns. Uh, I should say knitting yarns but most is produced by hand, I mean, knitted by hand. Um, it is uh, very specialized in hand knitting yarns and we are in the middle and the basic part of the triangle. Uh, on the top, as you know, there are some very, very small niche fancy products Uh, which are a boutique type of production, which we are not involved. Um, before, we had wool scouring, wool top making, uh, which we have closed down about five, six years ago, uh, because it was cheaper to buy scoured wool, and already tops making was uh, much cheaper when we bought it as tops made. So... Um, We also had a woolen mill. Uh, we were producing yarn for for the knitwear industry. Uh, basically, the the woolen system makes you know cashmere blended and and lamb's wool yarns, which is like the sweater I wear today. It's still chilly in Istanbul, um, but about. I would say about four or five years ago, also we closed down our our uh, woolen facility, uh, and instead we have expanded in the worsted and semi-worsted uh, production, specifically for hand knitting yarns. So at the moment, uh, our fully integrated facility, from uh, scouring to uh, yarn. Uh, scouring is out, top making is out, but from tops we start and we spin, we fold, we dye, uh, and then we make the balls. So it is still a fully integrated facility, but on the hand knitting side. Okay, so you concentrated the business into the hand knitting area. Yes, yes. Okay, and who are your typical customers? Who buys your hand knitting yarns? Um, our typical customers are wholesalers. Uh, in each country, there are a couple of wholesalers uh, that buy our products either with their own label or with our label. We have also a domestic brand called NACO, N-A-K-O. There is also the website www. Uh, nako.com.tr uh, and that part of our business has developed in such a way that we are keeping stock 
for that uh, brand. And in the past three, four years, I should say, we started exporting branded yarns. So quite a big quantity of our yarns at the moment are being sold under our brand name NACO, but still we produce uh, also another big percentage of our exports under customer labels. Uh, in each country, um, I should say we work for the top brands, which I shouldn't disclose any names, but any top brand in the world either has worked or is still working with us. Uh, so those are our customers as the wholesalers and brands. Also, in the past few years, there is a trend of some super shop chains like uh, Michael's, Hobby Lobby, uh, in Germany, Kaufhof and Karstadt and so on. They, they realize that the, the trend for knitting yarn is growing. So as well as the branded yarns, they are also selling their own shop brand yarns. So there are some superstores in the world, in many countries, in England, in Germany, in America, that work directly with us, that either sell our branded yarns or their uh, own shop branded yarns. Uh, and either sometimes they buy from us with their brands, and also they buy from some branded yarns, some of our yarns that we produce to those brands. So it's all like a big family. <laughs> it's, it's a niche product. Uh, I don't know whether it should be considered fully in textiles uh, because it's more and more becoming a hobby market in the world. So for that respect, uh, we are a textile company, yes, up to a point, but we are selling a ready product that goes onto the shelf. And it's not a clothing product, so it is something that customers, the end users are buying and preparing something for their own use. It can be a scarf or, or a hat or it can be a garment, sweater, blanket. Uh, I mean, there are very, very different uses with the end users. And uh, for instance, in, in the United States, the majority of the yarn that we produce is being used uh, and used as Afghans and, and uh, blankets, I should say. But Afghans is what the Americans are calling trolls, shawls, and so on. Okay, that was uh, very interesting to hear about how the market works. And something else you didn't mention, but that I saw on your website is that you also offer a lot of knitting patterns and inspirational magazines that also gets translated in several into several languages. So how Correct. does that business work? Correct. Um, as the years pass by, uh, we realized that Uh, more and more of our products are being sold when women see the end product made from our product. 
So when they when they see a pattern or a magazine, there are a couple of different types of end users. Some end users are very talented people. They look at something. They are so experienced knitters that they can see and they can improvise and they can either make the exact product or they make something similar to it. Uh, on the other hand, there are a lot of new uh, knitters, young knitters, who like to follow instructions, who like to know exactly how many stitch is necessary to make that project, let's say if it is a hat or a garment or whatever. So we realized the need of developing in that area and we needed to make some uh, fashion and pattern ideas uh, for those customers, especially when you have a brand, it is absolutely necessary today to develop your, yourself in that area as well. Uh, so it developed slowly. First we started to have a little magazine and then we only had like one or two people working. But now um, we have about six uh, designers uh, and graphic designers and, and fashion designers working all together, choosing the colors and the type of yarns and making sample products, shootings and magazines. So we make about 10, 12 magazines every year with some different patterns, some for babies, some for men and uh, women and children all together. So uh, some for summer, some for winter. So, you know, we're trying to, we are selling the magazine. Uh, we're, we're not making a huge amount of money from that, but it's like a service to sell our product. We're selling the magazines and, you know, trying to uh, cover our costs of making this product through the sales of the magazines. It's quite popular and uh, also we have in the social media and Instagram and uh, not much Facebook. We do have a Facebook site as well, but mainly Instagram is, is quite important. And a lot of the products that are being made are there. We also have a Nako TV where we show how products are made. And uh, a lot of people are following the Nako TV uh, little clips that are made to learn to, from learning to knit to specific type of knit patterns and so on. So it's a whole new uh, area. It's a big area and it's developing. So we felt that it is necessary to have that design department and have that support as well when you are trying to market your branded yarns. Of course, the brands that we are selling, they are doing that part on their own, in their own facilities. Uh, so when it is an ex-brand, for instance, they have their own design teams and marketing teams. So it's a part of marketing, I should say. That's how we cope and cover. Yeah, how you inspire your customers to, to knit. Yeah. Okay, and I want to, I think there's a lot more to discuss on that part, but uh, before we do that, I wanted to ask you also about 
that you produce on the one hand um, yarns made out of wool and but also yarns made out of synthetic or cotton and can you tell me is there like a real difference in the manufacturing between wool and synthetic yarns or is it quite similar no it is it is quite different i mean um, preparation of the wool handling of the wool and spinning of the wool is uh, is something that uh, the company needs an experience on doing so um, synthetic spinning is much much easier uh, wool dyeing is also a little different process uh, however as you know wool today is about two sometimes three times more expensive than than the synthetic yarns um, and the synthetic fiber itself is made to look like wool but it will never be like wool and it can never replace wool however on the other side uh, you have to realize that when the fiber is like two three times more expensive it is also the end product is also a different price uh, so it all started uh, you know many many years ago wool being the fiber to make yarn but alternatives have come up and the top alternative is acrylic uh, so today in the world the majority of the hand knitting yarn is uh, more synthetic and overall I can say that about 10 maximum 15 percent of the production uh, and the use in the world is is wool uh, so but still as we produce a huge quantity we use a huge amount of wool and as you also know that overall in textiles in the world the amount of wool percentage is very very small it's about one percent uh, so a big part is unfortunately or fortunately acrylic i should say uh, however the more wool we use we we like more wool being used and we like people to understand more wool because at the end of the day when we sell one ball of wool and one ball of acrylic yarn the ball of wool is more value and value added for the company so that is something we would like to promote and increase however uh, customer uh, and the trend uh, set the market so we have to act accordingly for the summer period for the hand knitting yarns a little bit of cotton is also being used but the amount of linen cotton uh, and bamboo is they're all limited they're all limited and i would say they are not even at the level of wool they are much much less i have to say and when like i don't know if, how it is in in the turkish language but in the german language you go to the wool shop but it's not doesn't necessarily mean that you actually buy a wool yarn 
you could end up buying an acrylic yarn. Do you think a lot of consumers um, know or are aware that there's a difference or do they just buy what they like? Well, as you might remember, maybe in uh, a year or so before you came in IWTO, we made a huge consumer inspection and, and, a, and a book. Uh, I think KPMG has made that analysis. I'm sure you, you have seen that book. Um, we wanted to know in general, not only in hand knitting, but in all products that wool being used, like uh, carpets, uh, furniture coverings, suits, sweaters, and so on. We, as IWTO, wanted to promote the use of wool so that the end users know the benefits of wool, uh, so that they can use more wool. But we realized that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the content of the product was coming in like the fourth level. Uh, the, the, the top was like the color, the design, and, and then the price. And then what's in it was interested by the customers. I mean, it wasn't their top priority to choose a product when they were buying, if it is made by wool or not. I mean, I personally, as I'm a wool person, when I'm buying a sweater, I the first thing I do is look at it, what's in it. You know, if I see it is 50 wool, 50 acrylic, I, I try to see if there is something 100% wool or, or 80 wool, 20 polyamide or something, you know. Uh, because if I want to buy a wool sweater, I want to buy a good quality wool sweater. But uh, with today's fashion, as you know, uh, it is quick wear and changing, you know, the, the fashion is changing very rapidly and, you know, shops like Zara and Benetton and so on, yeah, they are changing like at least six, seven collections a year. So that when the customer sees something new has come to the shop, you know, they want to buy it. But uh, it's, it's in a way the same way our customers and used customers are also not paying that much attention uh, to what's in it. But we're trying to make them aware. However, they, they choose according to the color and according to the pattern. Uh, but also in the last few years, we made a yarn called Sport Wool, which is uh, very, very in fashion because there's a lot of wool in it. And, and people seem to like that product. And, you know, we sold a lot of quantity from that product. Uh, a small awareness is there, but it's not enough. And we feel that if awareness can be created more and more by Walmart and IWTO and so on, it can benefit at the end of the day to all people who use wool. Uh, so I'm hoping that it will, you know, gradually increase, which it did uh, since the past 10 years, uh, you know, it was going down, 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 at least it's going a little steady now. And 
and perhaps even a little bit growth is achieved. Excellent. And what, what is this sports wool exactly? Well, it's one of our qualities, uh, you know, that we used. We, we, we used it so that, you know, a lot of, as you said earlier on, you go to the wool shop, but you don't buy wool. I mean, wool has become a generic name, but originally it started from, you know, producing wool. A lot of people were knitting wool sweaters because there were no ready-made sweaters. But the, when the ready-made garments has been introduced, I think maybe 40, 45 years ago, it started growing. And then there, there a time has come that, you know, for the, for the, price of one kilo raw wool you know a ready garment was being sold in the market so as as the production of knitwear machines have grown so rapidly less and less people were uh, interested in knitting but at those days knitting was a necessity i mean a lot of people were knitting i mean you're your grandmother was probably, or great-grandmother was probably knitting because when she went to the shop in winter to buy a sweater, uh, it, you know, ready-made sweaters were, were not available. Um, but when it is more and more made available, uh, people started to knit less. Also in low-income countries, uh, when people bought the yarn, and knitted a garment from a ready-made garment, it was half price, even one-third of the price. But then the ready-made garment prices have dropped down, so less and less people spent, you know, 50 to 60 hours uh, to make a garment. So, I mean, it's just, in a way, uh, I will make an analogy. I don't know how suitable it is, but... You know, when the light bulb was invented, you know, candle users were in trouble. But today, is candle still being used? Yes, exactly. We all have candles in our houses because we use it, use it as a pleasure to give scent and to have a nice atmosphere, romantic atmosphere. So candles are not out of our system. It's the same way with hand-knitting yarns. Uh, the amount of hand-knitting yarn used in the world has dropped dramatically when you compare it to, say, maybe 40 years ago or 30 years ago. But still today, the survivors like us have grown. And we've grown, you know, to a different niche market. And I should say probably 30 years ago, 33 years ago, when I started, the amount of... Uh, people and users who were buying our products uh, for necessity were maybe 70-80%, but today it turned around. 70-80% of the uh, people who buy our product at the end use are buying it for, for a hobby. And when you think about it, it's a cheap hobby. Uh, people love to knit because uh, they get addicted to it. They like doing that repetitive motion. They like, at the end of the day, to have a project that has come out, a garment or a hat that they have made themselves. 
with the color combinations that they chose and with the design that they have made or they have copied from a magazine or a pattern. And it is something to be proud of. And a lot of the products that we produce, especially in America, are, are for babies. People love to knit something uh, and give it as a present to a, to a relative or to a baby or to a, to a boyfriend. So it is something that you put your heart and love in it and you produce yourself. So it is a much more valuable product than you go to the shop and buy a garment from, say, Zara and give it to you as a present. I mean, there, there is a lot of romance involved in it, I should say, so that's why it is also interesting. And if you ask me for the future of our product market, I think it will, it will be at this level and perhaps slightly growing depending on the trends in the hobby market. For instance, bead making or, or little uh, wood painting can be dominant a little bit for a while, but knitting will always be here and knitting will always be, be in, the, in the world, uh, especially when the fashion is like vintage and, you know, 60s, 70s, you know, more and more due to that, we will have more and more knitting uh, because people are happy to have, you know, the old trends back again today to be in the trend. Yeah, no, that... that... I hope it made some sense. I'm yeah, not, I think I, it made... Yes, I'm no, I... From somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. It makes totally sense. And I want to add to to what you said um, and ask you because when I, I I grew up in the 1980s, 1990s, and I remember back then that a lot of hand netting shops actually closed down. But then yeah. at the same time, all of a sudden you were able to buy hand knitting yarns online. And then also I remember that my friends they taught themselves how to knit through YouTube. So what role do you think does the internet uh, play for the hand knitting industry? Well, 1980s are the turn of this trend. Uh, more and more shops were closing down because they were unable to sustain themselves uh, by selling just a, a ball of wool. Uh, you know, the, the need quantity has crashed down. And then, 80s are very interesting years because that's when, you know, the electronics, the computer, the mobile phones started in the 90s and uh, people started to spend their hobby money to different areas and I think it's settled now I mean everybody has a smartphone so with the smartphone they can do a lot of things uh, but at those days phones were something uh, very new I mean they were only able to maybe small text uh, but uh, a lot of people were spending their money on electronics and at those years uh, also, 
electronic knitwear machines have made a revolution. I mean, full garment uh, was coming out of a machine, so less and less people had the need to knit a sweater. And after the 80s now, it's been almost 40 years, uh, I think that it has settled. We didn't expect that to settle, but uh, as more and more factories were closing in countries like France, Germany, Italy, uh, England, and so on, we started to grow because we were a developing country and relatively cheaper production was possible in Turkey. So we started to grow and grow and fill the gap. Uh, however, uh, with the revolution of the uh, electronic uh, devices and internet, more and more online shops started to open because uh, online shops have less upkeep costs and so on. Uh, which is easier to operate. And also today, there are a lot of online sales going on. Uh, you can buy wool from Amazon, but there are a lot of specialty shops and each brand have their own online services and so on. So I would think that there will be wool boutiques staying forever, but probably the numbers may go even a little bit down because more and more uh, trade in the world for consumers is, is turning on to online. I mean, online sale growths are great. Uh, we also have online sites that we are selling our branded products. Uh, although it is a very, very small percentage, we see that there's a big growth from within that small percentage every year. Okay, and earlier you also talked that certain trends influenced the hand knitting industries, some that actually let uh, hand knitting be less attractive, but also what kind of trends in general influence the hand knitting industry? Well, as you know, there is a big trend of, uh, like even when people are buying eggs, they want to buy free range eggs. They want to buy the eggs of the chicken that is running around rather than, you know, in a closed factory that is just producing eggs. Um, so people give value to natural things. The more value is given to natural things, uh, lead people to buy more products made from natural items. Uh, and that, of course, leads us Uh, to the trend of how about having a raw sweater, you know, made from raw wool and so on. So it became valuable. Um, so the more trend like this, which seems to be going to stay on for uh, for more years, I think uh, anything will be keeping its popularity. And one other thing that we realized over the years, uh, during the times of economic crisis and during the times of, uh, when there is some crisis in the world, it can be economic and, you know, I'm, I don't want to pronounce war, but, you know, during hard times, 
people seem to want to, you know, get their minds off with something uh, rather than watching television and seeing the terrible news happening all the time. It just relieves them. So we seem to see a trend of growing demand at the times of economic down times. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess it's together with this cocooning trend when things get get instable outside of your world, you want to stay, you know, be cozy and do something yes. at home that comforts you. No, I think I, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, thank you so much, Osman. That was a lot of information about the hand knitting industry. Thank you so much. And yeah, where can our listeners find out more about Ormo and as well Nako? Well, if our listeners are uh, among the brands or or among the wholesalers or or shop owners that you know want to find out more about us, they can visit our website as well as. Um, We, we exhibit in Handarbeit show in Germany every year. Also, we exhibit twice in Pitifilati where the, the yarn trends are first starting. Uh, and that's more or less where the colors and the types of fibers that are being used is imposed onto the world. Uh, so we also exhibit twice in the Pitifilati uh, in, in Italy, in Florence, twice a year to show our new products and new trends and so on. Uh, so they can always, of course, call us and ask their questions and find out more about our products if they are interested. Excellent. I'll make sure to link to everything you mentioned in the show notes as well. Well, thank you for your time and let's hope there's lots of hand knitting going on in the future. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Hopefully you enjoyed this interview with Osman Kilic from the Ormo Group. If you want to find out more about Osman as well as about Ormo, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 081. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 081. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.